Thank you for joining us for Three Bees on the Law podcast, hosted by Trisha Barita, Camille Canali, and Susan Dawson. Disclaimer, this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Three Bs on the Law. Today, we're talking about non-compete agreements. It's something that has been in the news recently, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first, I think it's important that we talk about what a non-compete agreement actually is. So, Tricia, why don't you explain to everybody what that agreement actually is? Sure, Camille. So, a non-compete agreement, which um, obviously we're going to get into, it varies from state to state, but... Um, the general um, idea of what a non-compete is, is where you're putting some type of restriction or limitation on an individual and whether they can work in a certain geographic area or in a certain industry or for a period of time and trying to, you know, protect the interests usually of the business um, by having this person not be able to work in this area. And they're very, uh, popular and unpopular for a lot of different reasons that we'll get into. But that's the basic reason that you would have a non-compete. And we do see them in the employer and employee setting. Um, but um, uh, and also in, you know, a buy-sell agreement, you may see them where you're trying to restrict the the person who's retiring or, or selling the business so that they're not competing. So it's really just to, a restraint on um, the ability for that person or individual to compete with um, another business. And that's what a non-compete is. Susan, you want to talk about like how the employers actually use them? Sure. Yeah. So employers, depending on what state you are in, right. Uh, and depending on what the law behind uh, non-compete or enforceability of non-compete is, they use them for a lot of different reasons. Some employers use them to um, legitimately protect proprietary uh, information or, um, uh, if you've learned something in your job that you could take to a competitor and it's, and, and it's it truly proprietary. We always use the example when I'm talking to clients about the, the Coke formula, right? You know, in, in that situation, you're trying to protect something proprietary so that you don't want your employee to go to a competitor. You want to prevent them from going to a competitor or a customer or someone who could use that formula against you. Other reasons I see employers try to use them is just merely to protect their client list. Um, they want their salespeople or anybody who might have access to their customer list or vendor list, if it's the vendor list that's important, uh, to be able to stop them from going to a competitor completely so that they don't use that, that client list at all. Sometimes it's with full knowledge, they'll have people sign it with full knowledge that they're really not going to be enforceable. They're just hoping that it's a scare tactic to dissuade the employees from going somewhere else. And sometimes they do legitimately plan to enforce them. There's another element to non-compete agreements I see a lot, which are non-solicitation agreements. Those can be used saying you can't solicit customers, but are more frequently used to say you can't solicit your coworkers and bring them with you to the new job as well. So Generally, that's when we see employers using, uh, at least from my end, um, non-competes. Anyone else have any other per different perspective on that, on uh, when you would use them? 
No, we see them mostly in employer-employee relationships, although I'm sure it comes as no surprise. They're very just, they're not allowed in California. I'll just be a little more blunt uh, than that. Um, the public policy, though, I've noticed, um, you know, with President Biden um, in his recent executive order in July, you know, it, it's generally disfavored, at least by this uh, presidential administration. So it's going to be interesting to see how the states that still allow these non-competes, um, kind of what they do. I'm assuming, Tricia, that these are allowed in uh, Texas because, you know, we know Texas pretty much allows everything. <laughs> Hey now. All right. And I like how you were like, we're going to just, they were kind the, this administration is kind of, you know, not liking, no, they flat out don't like not competes. Right. I mean that, that if you go and anyone that's listening, like you don't need to read the formal, um, actually like executive order. They did like a, a sort of like cheat sheet. I, I swear it was probably for the press. So they don't have to read the whole executive order, which is pretty formal and goes through the history of like every antitrust because it's way beyond the non-competes actual executive order. But if you want to, you know, get the summary, you can read this like White House fact sheet on the White House website. Um, but yeah, they're pretty much like non-competes kill all possibility of jobs and, you know, and all that. So it, you know, the administration has obviously said they don't like non-competes, but they're, you know, um, uh, their hands are tied a little bit because this executive order, you know, they're trying to empower the FTC. But as you, if you actually read the full executive order, um, and the reason I, I'm saying this is because to tell you a little bit about Texas and the way that I look at the whole thing is that they know there's a legal battle coming if they're trying to have the federal trade, you know, um, federal trade commission be able to go ahead and like, you know, stop um, certain states from using non-competes. And so you can see they tried to empower them in the executive order. And I think that's just going to be a huge legal debate. But in Texas, actually, the Texas Supreme Court doesn't love non-competes. If you read like their case law, they like the idea of people working. So that's a big deal in Texas. They like people actually working, getting a job. So the idea that you would stop the ability for people to get a job in their industry um, is looked at with great scrutiny by the Texas courts. And so you can have a non-compete, but it is pretty narrow on how you get there. And so like many other states, um, you know, they require, you know, very clear consideration. It usually has to be with an enforceable agreement. And this is talking in the employer-employee context, not in the like buy-sell agreement. Um, you know, you can't generally, you're not going to see them with an employer-employee situation over two years allowed at all. Um, and you have to really be able to, when I, I've been down in court arguing these for a temporary restraining order or something, you have to be able to really explain to that judge what you're trying to protect. So it, I know that all, all, all two of these ladies here with me know, like Susan was even joking about it earlier, like there's people that just use it on compete and kind of hope it's like, you know, enforceable. And then there's people that, you know, have a non-compete and know it's enforceable. And then there's a whole bunch of people that just have non-competes and have no idea if it's enforceable. And I get those thrown at me from, you know, uh, opposing counsel trying to stop maybe an employer of mine who's hired someone. And I read it and I'm like, this is totally unenforceable. <laughs> like it'll be under like Florida law or something. And the guy never even has been to Florida. And um, it's just not going to be supported here in Texas to stop them from being able to work here. So um, I think you have to kind of, um, really understand if you're trying to use these to protect stuff, I think you could explore other things like Susan brought up the Coca-Cola recipe. Like obviously that, that 
you know, is protected under other protections, not just a non-compete, right? So you can use, you know, certain intellectual property protections, you know, um, and but because you may be in a state like California where they don't even allow non-competes at all. There's other ways, non-disclosure agreements or other things that you may be able to do to protect your interests. But if you can't explain to a Texas court what you're protecting, like if you are trying to protect your client list, like Susan mentioned, and your client list is all over your website because you're trying to advertise to get more clients, guess what? They're going to laugh you out of the courtroom and there will be no non-compete in force there. So um, it's embarrassing uh, if if that would be your argument. So um, you kind of have to have your stuff together here in Texas if you're going to go in front of a judge with a non-compete. But it is allowed, just very <laughs> limited. What about uh, What about Illinois, Susan? Illinois is an interesting state uh, in uh, every district. You know how um, maybe maybe a lot of people that are listening or watching aren't aren't familiar that states are broken down into state court districts, just like federal court districts, right? So we have a whole bunch of districts here in Illinois, different court districts, and depending on what district, state district, your business is in and the employee lives in, there's completely different opinions on how non-competes are applied. So in the first district, which is in uh, the Chicagoland area, we have a court case that's a few years old now, maybe five years old now, I, I want to say, um, that that says that it, a non-compete isn't enforceable for two years unless they've been paid reasonable compensation to sign them. So, you know, it's that was a big one when that came down. Now what's happening now, whether or not people think that it's good or bad, at least from the lawyer perspective, the state is passing a, a law they're expecting it to be signed into law by the end of the year that would put that first district, that Chicagoland rule, the two year rule into it now would be across the state. So at least from that perspective, it makes it easier to apply what here, you know, here's what work, you know, here's what works in Illinois or not. Whereas now I have to talk to them about all the, where are you and where is the employee? Are you in different districts and in, you know, what court are we going to be in? But but from the perspective of um, enforceability, they courts do not like them. You genuinely have to show something, just like you said, Tricia, something that is very protectable. And if your client list doesn't even have to be, you know, I, I like your like if it's all over your website, yeah. But okay, so I'm going to go back because I'm old school lawyer. I used to tell clients if they could open up the phone book. <laughs> doesn't exist really is our phone books anymore I don't even know but if you could open up the phone book or I guess if you could you know do an internet search and figure out who somebody's clients might be like you know what their business is and you can kind of figure out who their clients might be not protectable right so I talk to my clients a lot about there's other ways one of the things I advise them is don't put twenty thirty thousand dollars into my law firm put that into keeping your clients happy, your customers happy and securing those relationships. And I talk about drafting much shorter non-competes, maybe talking about someone staying out of the industry for three months. That might be enough to scare somebody off looking for a new job. Who's like, I'm going to get this new job, but I'm not going to go into the customers for three months just because the, Hey, who couldn't wait three months. Right. And that gives you three months to wine and dine your customers and introduce them to the new sales team and make them happy. Right. So I talked to them trying to be very practical. If you're going to use this for that purpose, I don't I don't find employees scared off anymore. In fact, I think employees think that they're entirely not enforceable, which is also not true. 
they can be enforceable, right? So, um, but but yeah, Illinois is a bit of a of a mess here. But if this law goes through it, at least from the perspective of there being a state law, that'll help. What about California? I know you're a well, I actually want to go back to Illinois for a minute because here's my big question with Illinois is what's reasonable compensation? I mean, oh, yeah, right. To, yeah. You have to pay them. Like if you want a two year non-compete, you have to give them like a year's salary to get that. Is two weeks salary enough? Is there any kind of defining in terms of what reasonable is at this juncture? Wouldn't it be awesome if there was? Wouldn't that be well, great? No, there is not. <laughs> you know. And again, it's just kind of the problem with law, right? It's not really old enough to have flushed its way through enough appellate court decisions. I'm sure there's a number of lower lower court decisions, but we can't, as lawyers, we can't use lower court decisions, at least here in Illinois, as uh, we can't reference them. We can't use them. We can only use appellate or state court decisions. So it hasn't been definitively set right. out what is enough compensation to enforce a non-compete. Yeah. So, and that's another thing we talk to our clients about. I, I try to dissuade people from doing the good old fashioned two year every and here in Illinois, they all used to be two years long. Oh, like right. long. And I'm like, no, no, no. Unless you're protecting the Coke formula, right? You're not getting right. to you. So, well, you know, so I think I mentioned before, like non-disclosures and an employee employer relationship are, are non-competes really are not allowed. I, I just mm -hmm. say, don't even bother. Um, but what I do often recommend is a non-disclosure. And so, and there comes a heavy monetary fine with the disclosure of any proprietary information. Um, but, you know, that's not without its issues either, because while it doesn't prevent the employee from going to another company, and it doesn't prevent the employee from necessarily being fined for taking your proprietary information and using it, but just like Tricia was talking about earlier, you still have this whole issue of you have to prove that it was proprietary and confidential and that they knew it was pr proprietary and confidential when they got the information and that they couldn't figure it out elsewhere. And I mean, this is really like high tech companies. I think a lot mm -hmm. are very um, protective of their, you know, computer software programs and things like that. So you see it a lot um, in California and those types of industries where, you know, if you're, inventing a new tech language, you know, computer language, obviously, I'm not tech savvy for those of you who are and just got that I have no idea what I'm talking about in technical <laughs> language. Um, but that's where you see them um, a lot, because that could be very valuable if they're able to market um, a new product or a new game or a new app, um, or something with the company. And so, um, you do see them. And, and that's a good example of where those non-disclosures can be very valuable to employers. Yeah, I agree. I, I tell clients frequently, it's the confidentiality sometimes is where it's at, right? Yep. You might not be able to enforce a non-compete, but if you took the appropriate steps to protect your confidential information, I might be able to do something about that, about stopping them. If, you know, if they printed out a customer list that was password protected and, and they've signed a, an agreement and, you know, that follows all the law date, I might be able to do something about it. But just a blanket, you can't call any of our, one of my favorite is when they say any customer we've ever had or any, any potential customer we've ever had. Well, who is that? Who right. is that? That's everybody. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, and you know, another thing about this, just before we, we close it out, like this, and that's an interesting point because there is 
when you look at something that broad, right, and then there's some violations, the thing is, is that at least my experience here in Texas is that not only do you need to show that you're trying to protect something real, like really that should be protected, because um, there's just so much discretion allowed for the judges in in looking at these, especially because if you can't get the TRO at the beginning, the temporary restraining order stopping them, you're, you're kind of lost your case right up front because they're going to compete throughout whatever this lawsuit is that you may be bringing. So, but I always think the damage is like, if you truly have a good non-compete, you should be able to see the damages. You should be able to see where the harm is and be able to explain it. Like, so if someone's poaching your clients, you know what I mean? And you, um, even if you had a non-solicitation agreement of not taking your clients, you know, um, which here in Texas, they're looked at pretty similarly, but like, you should be able to have some evidence of that. So you should immediately be like, how am I going to document this? How am I going to prove this? How am I going to explain that? Because if you're just like, well, we think he's calling everybody. He has all their numbers. You know, that's just like, it sounds in your head worse because you're freaking out. That's usually what's happening. You know, this great employee that, you know, you, you had invested all this time and money with now has all these relationships and you're freaking out that you're going to lose the business because they may you know, convince the clients to go with them instead of you. And, and, and you really have to like slow down and think, okay, what harm is actually happening? How can I prove it? Because that's, what's really going to resonate. I think the judges are not moved by your emotional freak out. I would say that. Well, and, so. and you know, your customers may not be moved by this competing calling and trying to wine and dine them. It's a very delicate uh, balance. Sometimes is, is this whole, competition, especially if it's a competition issue, could be off-putting. Oh, good point, Camille. Yeah, they don't want to be dragged into court. Big surprise. <laughs> right. They don't want to be involved so, with your drama. Yeah. So so that's what I yeah. That's what I told my clients. Um when you're when you're saying Trisha, how do you prove it? Guess how you prove it? They put them on the stand. Do yeah. you really want your customers, you want your ex-employee, if they're not, if they're truly not competing, your ex-employee is going to call all those customers, subpoena them, and put them on the stand. Guess what? You lost them anyway. Right. Yeah. So, so, it's not a know, good showing. Right. <laughs> well, it's just, there's more to think about than just the legal aspects sometimes is what is the cost to the business? And, and uh, some people don't always kind of think through that through as they're going through the legal proceedings themselves. Yeah, exactly. So. There's more we could talk about the non-solicitation itself. Maybe we'll do that in a separate podcast because that's, that's fascinating. We can go on and on and on. But anyway, I think that's enough about non-competes today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of 3Bs on the Law. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast of 3Bs on the Law. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast. We also welcome any comments. If you'd like to get in touch with us or suggest a future topic, you can email us at 3-T-H-R-E-E-B's on the law at gmail.com. And because we're lawyers, we need to remind you that this podcast is not meant to provide you with legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.